Coming up on Podcast 1641, we ask, are used EVs getting just a little bit cheaper? I hope so. Stick around. That's on the way. Also on the show today, we look at a new baby electric Volvo Caterham going EV with a sporty two-seater and the UK's fastest EV charger gets installed. Those stories and a lot more to discuss today on EV News Daily. Well, good morning, good afternoon or good evening, wherever you're in the world. Welcome to EV News Daily, your trusted source of EV information for the first day of the month. Welcome to November. My name is Martin Lee and I go through every EV story so you don't have to. Well, the podcast this month is sponsored by And Charge, the new app to download and get rewarded for reporting the condition of EV charging stations. Get paid in kilometre rewards once you answer some quick questions about Ionity stations. That's the first partner network here in the UK. And you can exchange that for money to spend at Amazon, even charging on Octopus Electric Universe. And it's not just about finding out if the charge stations are broken. It's about updating what they look like. And you can download the And Charge app right now. Search for it in your app stores. Headline story then, and we're asking if used EVs are getting a little bit cheaper. Well, Car Dealer Magazine used vehicle prices, the subject of their latest video, which I was watching this morning. And they say that used vehicle prices in the UK dropped by just 0.5%, which they say is a strong performance. That being said, there are some vehicles that didn't see just a 0.5% drop. And why are we seeing that? Well, there is a wider situation of an energy crisis, a disastrous 44 days in charge and well 10 of those were in a period of mourning so you know just over a month of actually being prime minister of our former prime minister which rattled the markets which is soaring inflation and hopefully things are i don't know getting a little bit more under control but either way Teslas have seen a disproportionate reduction in their prices now some people saying as i mentioned on yesterday's podcast this is merely a balancing out of or a correction of the market. Yesterday, I bought you a story from Germany about how they noticed Tesla prices are going down. And now the UK's car dealer magazine says that the Model 3 saw used prices drop by a notable degree. Uh, The second-hand units lost value of 5.9% on the month. Obviously, very bad news. If you are trying to sell your Tesla right now, maybe you've had a Model 3 for the last three years, possibly on a finance agreement, and you're thinking, oh, well, I'll change it up for a Model Y or try something new. We saw this with SNX owners when the 3 came out. And, and as those finance agreements come to an end, more of them arrive on the market. And for some reason, and again, Tesla's for a while, you've been able to buy a new one, drive 10,000 miles and sell it for more than you bought it for. Whereas I've just been on the website this morning again to double check, as I did yesterday, and indeed they're offering uh, finance deals on Tesla's UK website if you take delivery in November. Well, yeah, we're into November now, so you can get a car in four weeks. Uh, Model Y, standard range, always just called Model Y, um, which if you go for the performance, I believe performance is coming from Germany now. That's a story for a different day. But they're obviously on a ship from China, and they've not all been spoken for, so great news and prices starting to rebalance a little bit i would never call teslas cheap but at the minute perhaps a correction let me know your thoughts if you are involved in uh, thinking about this kind of stuff maybe you want to buy uh, yourself a used car at some point and you've been watching the prices you can email me about that and anything else my email address is hello at evnewsdaily.com 
Now, uh, Toyota's profits have plunged by 25% on EV uh, on chip shortages and confusion over their EV strategy. Toyota's fortunes have reversed recently as rising materials costs wiped out any benefit from a 32-year low of the yen. A number of changes are occurring simultaneously that affects the future of the automotive industry, and it's hard to look six months ahead, said the executive VP of Toyota. They're concerned about the impact of the economic slowdown, and while Toyota expects demand for vehicles to rise in the US and Europe and Japan next year, they say that supply is constrained, and we need to consider, they say, we need to consider how customers will be affected by interest rate rises. Uh, Of course, the Toyota are looking at people, their typical buyers, getting out finance or loans on that. And, you know, what was 1%, 2%, 3% is probably now 7 8%, 9%. Now, Toyota was a hybrid pioneer, points out Ars Technica website. But they're not correctly responding to calls from the market to take a lead in electric vehicles. Toyota needs to demonstrate their leadership. Otherwise, uh, they could not only misrepresent their efforts to go green but lose confidence, says a senior director at Fitch Ratings. Ars Technica writes, For many years, Toyota could cope easily with emissions limits set by regulators in Europe thanks to its popular hybrid range. But tougher rules in major markets mean it will have to sell battery-only models in the coming years or risk getting fined. It's also being forced to rethink its long-time strategy of focusing on only hybrids. Company president Akio Toyoda said that the meeting, uh, that meeting the US's target for half of sales by 2030 would be, and I quote, very difficult. Well, Toyota did record a net profit of almost $20 billion, $19.7 billion for the year up to the end of March. So Toyota are doing well by the way, and their share price is up compared to Volkswagen, down 10% over the last year, compared to GM, down 28%. So put yourself in Toyota's shoes. They're making $20 billion a year. The share price is up 43% over the past five years. They're doing better than their competitors. Why would you rock the boat? If you are steering that ship, that massive company that is Toyota, that oil tanker, if you like to use perhaps a bad example, why would you blow it up and start again with electric vehicles? I see things from their perspective, but they need to. Now, a former Toyota executive said, batteries are often said to have near zero value after a decade. Right, well, that's blatantly untrue. If anyone has a Nissan Leaf with a 10-year-old battery in, according to Toyota, that has a zero value. So can you just give it to me, please? And I'll give you no pounds for it, because I'd quite like your battery from your 10-year-old Nissan Leaf in my garage, please. Bit of home storage. You see, that's the logic they're working to, that a battery after 10 years has a zero value. Well, of course, they're going to think, well, this is a disaster. You know, our engines still work after 10 years. So, of course, they're not going to make electric vehicles. Japan is the world's third largest auto market, but 1% of cars there are electric vehicle. Germany's 26%. Norway's 90%. Now, Takaki Nakanishi, that's his name, Takaki Nakanishi, he's an automotive analyst who owns his own research group, and he said this, and I quote, currently no one enjoys economic benefits from EVs. Well, I mean... Tesla's trillion-dollar value would probably argue with that. Nobody enjoys economic benefits from EVs. Yes, they're more expensive, but there are many economic benefits to owning an electric vehicle. Running one, no maintenance, very little service. If you can charge them on cheap rate, 
wonder, like a penny a mile or two pence a mile to drive an EV. No one enjoys economic benefits. And again, if that's the logic the Japanese are working to, why would they go EV? I'm trying to see things from their side, by the way. Um, Toyota uh, it has been too arrogant, says the same analyst, um, and they could easily succeed with EVs because they did so with hybrid hybrids. All right, moving on. And Volvo is looking to add a new baby electric SUV. Now, it would sit underneath the XC40 recharge. So if you look at how they're going to do the XC90, which is called EX90, E standing for electric, X standing for SUV, then it'll be called the EX90. 30. Now, the CEO, Hacken Samuelson, confirming that the new model will feature an SUV body style, but will be based on their parent company's platform, owned by Geely, of course. They have a platform called the SEA Architecture, and it will be on that, underpinning the new Volvo. So, cost savings to be made. It's going to underpin Polestars as well. Uh, but first of all, it's going to be the EX90. That comes first. Then after that flagship vehicle, EX90, comes EX30. Now, the famous name in small production, but really, really bonkers fun cars, Caterham. Uh, you'll see Caterham's blatting around a track more than you will doing the school run. But last year, they sold 500 vehicles. They uh, they built 500 vehicles. They sold 670. The backlog is increasing. Current regulations will allow, they say, combustion cars with some developments to be built until 2034. They're a very small maker and, you know, less than a 1,000 vehicles a year. Caterham, for anyone who loves their cars, is just a name synonymous with performance, with two-seater, with lightness. The Caterham 7, they said, will go EV. And they could even unveil it in 2026, but they're waiting for technology improvements because they need lightness and simplicity and agility and performance and a steel space frame. And if that is going to be a 1,000-kilogram car, they won't bother doing it. They need to stay true to their value. So I think probably wait, give it three, four years, battery developments, semi-solid state batteries, and then they can make a 750 kilogram performance car. They said that their target, this is really interesting, this is why I'm giving you this story. Their target is called the 2015-20 performance. What is a 2015-20? They say that when they can make an EV that will drive hot laps for 20 minutes, recharge for 15 while you have a break, look at the data or some telemetry, even a nice cup of tea and a biscuit at a racetrack, and then do 20 again. That's their formula, 20, 15, 20. And they say that's the magic. If they can get to that, they'll make two-seater electric sports cars. Now let's talk about Jeep and Stellantis kicking off its SEMA, S-E-M-A, SEMA reveals with a trio of trucks. The one we care about is a gorgeous Resto Mod. It started as a CJ SUV, and they have put a electric motor in it, a two-speed four-wheel drive transfer system, not saying anything more about it. But what they did say is that Jeep says the truck is a build to explore what is possible in a conversion kit, a Mopar EV conversion kit, an E-crate, if you like. E-crate motor where old vehicles and Jeeps can, if you want, uh, you can buy a turnkey package and then do that resto mod and make it electric that'd be really interesting rivian is postponing deliveries of trucks with the largest battery until 2024 it looks like people who ordered the top of the range quad motor that's crazy isn't it quad motor quad motor 
Rivian with the Max Pack are not going to get that for a couple of years. Even though other powertrains are available, Rivian are sending a note out saying you are welcome to reconfigure and get a, you know, if you want lesser vehicle. The dual motor R1Ts with a big battery will come in 2023. And when they say the big battery or the max battery, the large battery is 135 kilowatt hours. That sounds pretty darn large to me, but that's not the max pack. The max battery is even bigger. It'll do 400 miles, not 314 miles EPA. The actual size of it, I don't know, and I'm not surprised. What do you think is happening there? Do you reckon it's battery purchasing? Do you reckon it's supply chain? Do you reckon it's because the margins aren't good? Do you reckon it's just because it uses up too many cells? They can make more vehicles, more profit, buy smaller batteries? And hey, 135 kilowatt hours, hardly small for the large battery. I wonder what's happening there. Okay, we'll find out. Right, stick around on the podcast coming soon. We'll talk about the UK's fastest EV charger and a very small electric car coming to India. Those stories and more are on the way. Now we'll talk Panasonic. They're going to start building their Kansas factory next month. What a nice early Christmas present, because Panasonic will start building their new battery plant at the end of November as they begin mass production in the beginning of 2025. They said in a statement yesterday on Monday, initial production will be 30 gigawatt hours a year of cylindrical cells, 4,000 jobs and $4 billion of investment. They'll make 2170s. That's the form factor the size of the battery but they will eventually make the 4680s as required by tesla gridserve the national charging network with those brilliant hubs now there's one in braintree one in norwich uh, they have put the terra 360 in it's made by abb uh, not terra as in ah, but terra t-e-r-r-a I always think it's a strange name to say on a, on a, on a podcast because it sounds like they're terrified of it. But the Terra 360 um, is, as it says, a 360 kilowatt DC fast charger. There's no car out there that can take advantage of it, but it can charge four vehicles at once. So, you know, four vehicles that can charge at maybe 100 kilowatts turning up. It's got four cables on it. And the CEO, and I've interviewed Toddington Harper on this podcast before, says it's fantastic to have the first 360 kilowatt capable charger open to the public at our Braintree Electric Forecourt. Now, can charge four vehicles at once, whether they CCS or Chatamo or AC Type 2. Developed as well for fleets and depots. Small footprint, they say, because it's just one single unit with four cables coming off of it. Five meter long cables, it's got plug and charge. And I'll pop a link to that picture of that if you are interested in the show notes. Now, uh, Fleet Advantage is a leasing provider in the United States, and they've just bought 200 heavy-duty Class 8 pure electric trucks. Now, they manage 14,000 lorries in the US. They're a massive company, and they're just starting to go electric. I think if I can try and predict how this will play out, they'll buy their first 200. Their customers will love it. Then they'll order some more. More customers' word will get around that they're cheaper, they're more reliable, better for drivers, and then there'll be long waiting lists. And I think that from their 14,000 diesel trucks, their lorries they've got, they'll be electric very, very soon. It's just how quickly they can acquire them and they can be made. Now, a small EV for India is coming. The MG Air. Now, MG are on a bit of a rip in the UK right now and Europe with the new MG4, the restyled MG5, the new MGs at SEV. But none of those we're talking about. We're talking about the MG Air. Not a car we'll get here. It's a two-door. It's three metres long and it's a two-metre wheelbase. 
got a big touchscreen. It's got smartphone connectivity. Got a 25 kilowatt hour battery pack. That's 150 k's on a full charge and about 40 horsepower engine. They say it's a city commuter that will fit four people in. Yeah, to push. Those rear seats look pretty uh, small, but that's not the point of this vehicle uh, so mg doing some interesting things now how many two-wheelers were sold in india electric two-wheeler registrations hit an all-time high uh, last month they got the october data in already that was quick and it's sixty-eight thousand pure electric two-wheelers sixty-eight thousand sold in october and it's an inflection point in the industry uh, says businessstandard.com uh, that's been waiting for this kind of aggressive conversion to electric. Really important after yesterday's story about the air quality in New Delhi. And we need to move electric as quick as possible. But how about that? 68,000 new electric two wheelers on India's roads. Wonderful. Korean EV battery manufacturers are eyeing up opportunities in Europe because at present the manufacturers are expanding their production facilities in North America and Europe. LG in Poland, SK in Hungary and Samsung SDI, also two plants in Hungary. Those three Korean battery makers point out that more preparations are needed regarding the European Union's regulations and also an opportunity because Chinese EV battery makers will also be concentrating on Europe because of the US effectively banning Chinese assembly and uh, materials processed in China uh, with their latest Inflation Reduction Act. So Europe could be the beneficiary of that. China will want to expand. They can't expand in North America. It'll have to be Europe. And the South Koreans think that is a market they want to be part of. Now, what about in the US following that Biden uh, signing of that new law, which will ensure that EV batteries in American-made or North American-made EVs have the batteries that don't come from China, for instance. And 30 miles east of Reno, Nevada, a startup is developing a large factory that will unlock lithium for lithium-ion batteries. Lilac Solutions makes small white beads which, which will extract lithium from salt water. Uh, it's called brines, actually. And uh, you find them around the world, from Argentina to Chile, but also in Nevada and also in California. They're exchange beads. They're used for industrial applications already, like cleaning up water. But this time, they'll extract lithium. The U.S. produces 1%. The U.S. makes 1% of the world's lithium. And China, Argentina, Australia, are the rest, 90%. Uh, the global demand for lithium will go from 500,000 tonnes this year to 4 million tonnes by the end of the decade. And so how does it work? Well, uh, many of the untapped brines, the salt water, if you like, have a low concentration of lithium and high impurities. But these magic beads, as it were, uh, sucks out the lithium from the solution. It leaves the brine mixture intact, which goes back into the environment. And they can do that uh, much more environmentally friendly than perhaps mines in South America. And like in the Atacama Desert, where huge amounts of water take 18 months to produce lithium through solar evaporation. Now, the former head of Tesla's AI explaining why they removed the sensors and went vision only. In an interview online for a podcaster, Andre Kapathy, who has left Tesla now, former head of AI, said that extra sensors add cost to the system and complexity. They make the task harder for the software. That there's a philosophy by Elon Musk who says the best part is no part, therefore 
take away parts, that vision is necessary to the task and it should be sufficient, and that sensors change as parts change or become unavailable, and they must be maintained and software adapted, and having to process LiDAR and radar produces what they call bloat in the code, and he predicts other companies will drop them all in time anyway. Well, according to Forbes.com, other teams won't necessarily disagree with his points, but having multiple sensors does add confusion. But the others say, look, we can work through that confusion and ensure that all the sensors align, whether it's cameras or LiDAR or radar or the ultrasonics. And many even argue that down the road, vision could be sufficient one day, but not now, not yet. And I imagine a few Tesla drivers suffering from phantom braking might say... Maybe not yet, but perhaps we'll get there sooner rather than later, hopefully. Now, an Australian EV conversion startup is merging with a UK firm to turn cars electric. An Aussie startup adding a modern twist to classic Land Rovers is going to become part of a big EV conversion company, Zero EV in the UK, emerging with Aussie's joint motors. They will operate across the UK and Australia. And the new company will provide mechanics and enthusiasts with the tech and tools needed to electrify classic cars. And finally, the Chinese battery maker CATL entering into an agreement with the Vietnamese company VinFast to use CATL's skateboard platform. It will build on their Celta Pack technology and uh, collaborate with VinFast, they say, as the company expands into global markets. I must admit, VinFast kind of came from nowhere, and I'm keeping an eye on it. There's a lot of EV stories I don't report on, by the way, because they look a bit sus. I don't like the look of them. They just smell wrong. But VinFast is one that I keep mentioning because I have a sneaky feeling that VinFast, with obviously the government money behind them, uh, and the support rather, uh, they might well make it. But will anybody buy the Vietnamese electric vehicles? Well, we'll wait and see. Okay, question of the week takes a break, but it will return. Thanks to our premium partners of the podcast, Phil Roberts of Electric Future, Brad Crosby, Porsche of The Village in Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii, Derek Riley's brilliant EV Review Island YouTube channel, now featuring a doggo, uh, Richard at rsev.co.uk. Check out his website for buying and selling EVs in the UK. There's no one that knows more about buying and selling EVs and Octopus Electric Universe, global public charging. They make it simple with one app and one map and book yourself a break. You deserve it at Millbrook Cottages. They are five-star luxury cottages in Devon. They even have EV charging there. Go to millbrookcottages.co.uk. Have a good and see you tomorrow. And remember, there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid.